right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick uh, Delgado's here. Geofran holding it down. As always, no Rick Amorati tonight. Back's giving him an issue. Oh, no. Yeah. Says it's really bothering him. It could have been from all that dancing he did last night after he won, right? <laughs> could, have, <yeah. laughs> could have been. I did think, Paul, I don't know what you want to put the tinfoil hat on here, but I, today was the day he was facing, uh, Amorati was facing picking um, Thanksgiving <laughs> Day, Thursday, Friday, he, he got a bird back. Saturday, and then pro on Sunday. And I think the, I think thinking about four days and probably having 10, 12,000 on the line, being down now uh, eight. You know what it reminds me of? was too much for him. Have you seen the movie Caddyshack? Yes. Where the ball hits him. Oh, my arm. It's broken. <laughs> <laughs> nice hat. Free ball of soup. Or you're going to free ball of soup with that? Looks good on you, though. Uh, yeah, so Emirati bagged out tonight. I think he's probably fine, if I had a guess. But he said his back was out <laughs> because I just think he did not. He could not deal with the pressure of possibly being down 20,000 and all the four birds, six birds, whatever it is. Maybe it's from all the money in his mattress that he put to hide from you. <laughs> could be that too. <laughs> that could be bothering his back at night when he sleeps. So yeah, he, could, he could be moving his gold bullion to a, a <laughs> secure locker somewhere. It uh, could be. So, <laughs> so Rick's taking the night off and he'll be back next Monday when we're back. Of course, tonight's our last night before the Thanksgiving break. And again, whatever you're doing and wherever you're going, we hope number one, you're safe. And number two, you have a great Thanksgiving week. And don't have turkey. Whatever you do, just make sure you make a get your get your family to come over. Chip in five bucks. No turkey because that's the most expensive thing. It's overrated. And uh, you know, just get a bag of soy. <laughs> Cornish hen. <laughs> Everyone pluck in a little game hen, and if you're lucky, like a New York City person, club a few pigeons. Pluck them. Yeah. Bake what? Them. What cut you? Eight. Oh, eight from, I'm thinking, I don't see eight. Eight from yesterday. Okay, roll it. Let me see it. And while we are on the topic of something that could be controversial, perhaps forego the turkey. Yeah, Paul. Bear with me. I know that is the staple of the Thanksgiving meal. However, some people think turkey is overrated. And so it tends to be the most expensive thing on the table. Maybe you do an Italian feast instead. (laughs) And I will say this. If you tell everyone you're having a Thanksgiving without turkey, some guests may drop off the list, and that's a way to cut costs, too. Yeah. She's so, like, purposely she's like puts, a human bobblehead. Yeah. Purposely put stuff on the menu that you know people don't like so they don't come over. <laughs> that's I a mean, great way to celebrate with family and friends. the turkey for Thanksgiving. Why don't we just get rid of Santa Claus for Christmas while we're <laughs> well, at it, too? I think they've tried to do that already. <laughs> oh, my God. Forgo the turkey for Thanksgiving. He's part of the patriarchy. Yeah. That's you know, Santa Claus, that evil Chris Kringle. You know, G, it's a good time to do a 34 because we're talking about Thanksgiving. We're talking about pricing of it. Uh, our good friends at Campus Reform, I thought this was fantastic. They, um, well, they decided to go ask these co- some college students about what they're paying for th- putting Thanksgiving in their, th- their Thanksgiving meal. Uh, let's see that. Roll that, G. 
I'm Addison Smith with Campus Reform. We're in Washington, D.C. today, right outside Georgetown University. Last year's Thanksgiving was the cheapest Thanksgiving for American families in several decades. Now, just a year later, the New York Times has called it potentially the most expensive Thanksgiving in American history. We're going to be getting students' reactions to this inflation that we're seeing. Do they think that the Biden administration bears any responsibility for it? And do they think that maybe American families were better off under President Trump? Let's find out. With Thanksgiving coming up this year, a lot of families are concerned about uh, rising inflation affecting the cost of the Thanksgiving. Is that something that you've you've heard about or thought about at all? No, I probably should know more about that. That's my first time hearing about that being a problem. Personally, no, I, I've not heard of that or thought about it at all. Personally, no, and I think I'm, I am part of the lucky people who don't yet have to worry about it getting too bad. I've actually read a few articles about it and just how um, this is going to be the most expensive uh, Thanksgiving in documented history. Um, so I think that's a big concern for a lot of families. But I definitely see how like a lot of people could be more food insecure, having trouble getting food on the table for Thanksgiving. I haven't honestly heard about that a lot because all my friends are just like planning trips and anything. But now that you mention it, I think I should read about it. Last year's yeah. Thanksgiving <laughs> was reportedly the cheapest in, in over three decades. Really and already this year, a year later, there's reports out that this could be the most expensive Thanksgiving in American history. Wow, I had no idea, and I'm curious why that would be. It's crazy to hear that. Um, I just wish I had paid more attention to that. I, didn't, I don't even know why that, like, it's not even on my radar. College it's really students. kind of disappointing, first off, that that's where we are. I'm probably part of the 5% of DC who did not vote for Biden. That's shocking um, <laughs> how quickly prices like that can climb. I didn't know that about last Thanksgiving. That's really surprising because even last year I stayed on campus, but we were able, like we did a Friendsgiving and it was really cheap. Oh, that's really astonishing. I want to read off a couple popular Thanksgiving items, show you how much they've gone up in price the past mm -hmm. year. So when your family goes shopping for Thanksgiving this year, you can expect to pay 22% more for a, a turkey. You can pay 12% more for meats, poultry, fish, eggs, all those things. Uh, Why five. Why is that? Nearly 5% more for each spice and seasoning you buy, and uh, nearly 8% more for salad dressings, 3% more for bakery items. Does that surprise you at all? It definitely surprises me, yes. These 22% and these percents are a big deal for them. It's really weird um, to think that like food staples like that are just like so inaccessible and expensive. It's not surprising that everything's increased, but just like the amount that it's increased is crazy. I think a lot of it has to do with probably the supply chain issue that we're, our country's experiencing right now. I think the cost of everything is rising. It's not just grocery foods um, and popular items for Thanksgiving. Are you gonna be traveling for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'll be going to Miami. <clears throat> uh, I am, but luckily I, I live pretty close to here. Okay, so you're gonna pay, you're also gonna pay 50% more in gas than you would have last year. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow, 50%. 50%. See, I didn't even consider any of that. I just figured we were going home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> They're yeah. going to pay about 50% more for gas My than they would have last pay. year. Mm, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a little that's a little frustrating too as well, isn't it? Do you think that with, with the Biden administration <laughs> passing all these exorbitant spending bills, printing a lot more money, do you think that that's what's causing all of this inflation? Definitely, yeah. I do think they're correlated because they usually are in the past in history that if you're passing more bills and you're increasing, it does increase inflation, yeah. So you think he does bear some responsibility? Yes. yes. He does. I don't know how, after God knows how many times, 
countries have thought that was a solution. We're going to figure out that's not the solution. You can't just print more money because you feel like spending more money. Do you think that American families were better off financially under the previous administration than they are now? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, don't, I know even very liberal friends who were like, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is a much better, much better economic situation under Trump or even under Obama. Yeah, it, it was a much better situation under Trump. Um, if it's true that, you know, there's a dramatic rise in inflation and it's only been in the last year since the Biden administration has been here, I would say yes. If you were to, you know, hone in on just this particular moment and that thing, all those Thanksgiving stats, I would say obviously, yeah. That's hard to say. This completely kills my <laughs> As much as you might not want to admit it. Yeah. Biden remorse they might be having? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I think so. And I think a lot of people are. Yeah. College students who are not, not I guess they're not good. They're not going over inflation at the. Uh, and they're not the, looking at the, the sorority parties on bill. Friday yeah. nights. I mean, like, really? I, I had no idea gas was double. Like, I don't look at the bill. Dad pays. <laughs> yeah. I better have somebody else drive then. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be cheaper for me. That's unbelievable. That's uh, those are college students. Yeah. yeah. We need more of that. In don't DC, know what it, no doubt. Don't, know, of all don't know what causes inflation. <laughs> the, one, said, the one more, dude did. Yeah, I hear you pass more bills. The inflation goes up. <laughs> At least that one dude, the tall guy. Did. Yeah, he was, uh, he he was ca- all right. He kind of figured it out. He was all right. So, In a way, the girl was right. She was right for the wrong reasons. She was just kind of going with the flow and trying to sound smart. She was faking it. Yeah. <laughs> but the more bureaucracy there is... You know, and the more red tape there is, the more difficult it is for the free market to operate. So it does. Yeah. So there's your, your tax on the, on the middle class. There it is. Another one. Didn't see that one coming. Well, um, now as a follow-up to that, I want to put all your worries <laughs> to rest. I want to put all your worries to rest. Oh, Cut good. one, G. Roll it. Moms and dads are worried. Asking, will there be enough food we can afford to buy for the holidays? Will we be able to get Christmas presents to the kids on time? And if so, will they cost me an arm and a leg? I told you before that we're going to take action on these problems. That's exactly what we're doing. It starts with my port action plan. A a proactive three-month effort to invest in our ports and relieve bottlenecks. Three-month. 40% of the goods, for example, that come into this country on the West Coast come through two ports, Los Angeles and Long Beach. To help ease the congestion at these ports, I brought together labor and management and asked them to step up and cooperate. Mm -hmm. To move from operating the ports at 40 hours a week at those ports to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I provided the resources to other key ports, including Savannah, Georgia, and on the East Coast, on the East Coast, and to help reduce congestion and undo damage caused by COVID. We also met with the CEOs of Walmart, Target, Home Depot, TJ Maxx, and others. Those retailers, large retailers, and others agreed to move products more quickly, stock the shelves more quickly. And by the way, you may have heard the CEO of Walmart yesterday on the steps we've taken. He said, and I quote, the combination of private enterprise and government working together has it's been really fashion. successful. He went on to say, all the way through the supply chain, there's a lot of innovation. 
Because of the actions we've taken, things have begun to change. End of quote. In the past three weeks, the number of containers <laughs> sitting on docks, oh walking Don't forget, end of quote. are down by 33%. Shipping prices are down 25%. More oh, goods are moving more quickly and more that? cheaply out of our ports, onto your doorsteps and onto store shelves. And so all these concerns a few weeks ago, there would be, uh, there'd not be ample food available for Thanksgiving. So many people talked about that, understandably. But families can rest easy. Grocery stores are well stocked with turkey and everything else you need for Thanksgiving. And the major retailers I mentioned are con have confirmed that their shelves will be well stocked in stores this holiday season. And that's good news for those moms and dads who are worried about whether the Christmas gifts will be available. It goes for everything from bicycles to ice skates. I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's all, I guess it's all good now. Yeah, because he said so. It's like the oil thing today. Oh, it's going to 50, 50 billion, gillion, you know, 50 million barrels. Okay. We use 25 million a day in the U.S. And ports are open 24-7. Who's he kidding? So he's going to tap two days worth. Who's giving this guy advice is my question. Two days he's tapping. What's it going to come down? A cent? And that'll arrive in like two weeks from now, if the gas station owners even like pretend their prices are lowering. <laughs> right. I mean, we go through 25 million barrels a day. He gets, he taps for 50 million barrels and acts like it's some huge deal. Okay. I hear you. Let me take care of it. Snap of the fingers, 50 million <laughs> barrels. All solved. Woo. Hey, uh, two days worth. Could you open that pipeline, sir? No, that has nothing to do with it, Paul. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B, just getting started on a Tuesday. We'll do some news when we get back right after this. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. So I wanted to start the show with this because this is this will get you all in a good mood for the rest of the week. Make you feel good going into Thanksgiving. From uh, PJ Media, AJ Kaufman, CNN, reliable sources with Brian Stetler, hits uh, all-time ratings low. <laughs> <laughs> CNN's reliable sources has reached absolute rock bottom <laughs> as the weekend program recently marked viewership low for 2021 left-leaning host brian stetler has struggled all november but received his smallest 2021 audience sunday failing to even reach 600,000 viewers for the first time this was 10 percent lower than his previous week which was also among the show's worst turnouts of the year oh geez i can't why can't imagine why <laughs> the program stetler has hosted since 2013 now has failed to average 800,000 every week since august he struggled to attract viewers in the 2554 demographic averaging only 87,000 for his fourth smallest audience of the year in that coveted category. Much of this stems from continuous false advertising, while reliable sources claims to examine the media industry each episode. 
It most often devolves into an hour of bashing Republicans and excusing stories that make Democrats look bad. For example, Stetler ignored MSNBC's recent ban from covering the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Instead, he interviewed the American-hating Nicole Hannah-Jones and ABC News reporter Jonathan Carl about their new books. Stetler also had segments criticizing how conservative media covered the Rittenhouse trial and bemoaned that CNN can't air trials related to the January 6th Capitol riots because cameras aren't allowed. By comparison, Fox News media buzz averages 1.5 million viewers and 200,000 among the 2554 demo in the same time slot. Uh, ironically, that show's hosted by Howard Kurtz, who hosted Reliable Sources before Stetler took over. So, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Couldn't, can't get better news than that. The show that I have called the um, the most aptly worst named show. In, in fact, that it's neither nor reliable or any has any sources <laughs> would be reliable sources with uh, Ryan Stetler. So. He tr- he truly is terrible, and it gives all of us hope. <laughs> he, he is uh, he is absolutely terrible. So, um, speaking of terrible, boy. He, it, it is so fun to watch him when he gets in a debate and how easily he crumbles. You guys see the... <laughs> how about yes. the one with... What's his name? <laughs> the recent... <laughs> the guy who wrote the book, Michael... Uh... Yeah, you, you're terrible. <laughs> it's, you're the problem. I mean, <laughs> that, I wish we had that clip. That was one of the best clips I've ever seen. And well, like, Brian, I hate to tell you. But... <laughs> and, and the whole time he was just like... <laughs> he's like, oh... Well, Meanwhile, oh, well, like he that's, gets that's, upset and he's in full tears. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I love his facial reactions where he's like, he's like, mm, really? Me? Whoa. <laughs> it's like, dude, you've just got blasted on your own show. You, you got Fauci. Yeah, you, and, got, and you, got, you got Howie, uh, Howie Card. And, and he sat there and he, and he took it. Wait, and yeah. the way, it's the way he hmm. took it. Like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> you know, he was like such an infant about it. Right. Yeah. All right, let's do some news. What else is uh, going on, Paul? Well, you know, I, I wanted to just touch a little more. The fact checker says um, Jen Psaki's claim no economist thinks Build Back Better will cause inflation is false. Uh, the White House Secretary Jen Psaki has been flagged for the first time by PolitiFact for her claim that no economist out there is projecting that the president's $1.75 trillion Build Back BS will have a negative impact on Inflation, um, it, uh, the analysts read, it's really true. There's not a single economist who thinks it, the, the bill will boost inflation. No, many economists have stated for the record that they think the inflationary uh, impact of the bill will, uh, will, be a, will be small and brief. Numerous economists, including some allies of the White House, have gone on the record as saying that probably will be inflationary effects, especially in the near term. If the bill is passed, so she uh, the statement read uh, it's false and she's wrong. So she was um, <clears throat> didn't Ducey confront her on this? G, um, we have that clip. I believe it's from yesterday. Do you have the Ducey clip with her? Play that if you. Uh, have it. Yeah, it's actually from Friday, but I think it's worth playing. Yeah. Is the president going to stop saying that the Build Back Better plan does not increase the deficit one single cent? If we now know that that is not true. Uh. 
it is true. And I would note the several economists and experts out there. I would know. I think you're probably talking about the CBO score. Which Joe Biden himself in 2010 called the gold standard for Democrats <laughs> and Republicans. Well, Peter, since we're all here to communicate with well, the public go. about right. accurate information, yep. what I would just note is that one of the components that experts, Democrats and Republicans, including former heads of the CBO, have pointed to is that IRS uh, IRS enforcement is not something that there's a lot of experience in the CBO uh, scoring. They still scored it, but is undervalued by the assessment of many economists and experts, uh, including people who have been critical of us in the past, who estimate, including former tre tre Treasury secretaries of both parties, who estimate there will be significant savings, significantly higher than what is estimated currently. So our assessment and the assessment by uh, many economists out there is that there will be savings over 10 years that will actually reduce the deficit. The CBO's projection is that it's going to, uh, there's going to be at least a $160 billion increase to the deficit over 10 years. That is 16 trillion cents. So the president was not telling the truth. Well, Peter, just to go back to the content facts here. So, CB, so the IRS enforcement component, something recommended by former Secretary Hank Paulson, former Secretary uh, Larry Summers, Democrats and Republicans of both parties who feel there could be significant savings over the course of time. I'm just going to note something that uh, for Trump appointed by, IRS by the Commissioner way, by Charles Reddick By said. savings, all she means is attacking you, coming after you. Because the new IRS enforcement is going to lead to, they say, a million or so more audits. And they say there's a huge percentage of them that will actually end up affecting you know, middle-class Americans who would never, ever face anything like that. So when she means that, that's what she means. Go ahead. The administration estimates $400 billion in additional revenue can be generated over the next decade from enforcement efforts focused on higher-end income, shrinking the tax gap. This figure is no surprise. Republican former Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson co-wrote an op-ed with other former Treasury Secretaries saying that there could be considerably more revenue than we projected from the White House from this. So again, this is an area where experts, economic experts, neither of us are one, I think we can confirm that, uh, have confirmed that there are significant savings that will come from this. That uh, is why moderate but, you know, members way, of the House... You don't need think, to be an economic expert. You need to just, just look at the numbers and have any yeah. co some common sense and not be a liar, not be a bold-faced liar, which makes it hard for her in this conversation. That's what makes it hard for her, is you can't be an outright liar come, come and on. have this discussion. Liar is harsh. She prefers to be called a propagandist. Oh, that's much better <laughs> and more accurate, by the way. Go ahead. They would tell you, and many of them have spoken to this, including Congressman Kurt Schrader, who is one of the moderates who's on the borderline, given deficit impacts, have said is they felt comfortable with it because of the expertise out there about the impact of IRS enforcement. I love how she has to have the, um, the, the name dropping just said at the right places. Like she picks the, the biggest rhino Republican she can find for <laughs> any one of these things and goes, oh, well, look at the he said. Uh, that's that's and we're supposed to be impressed by that. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, well, then wow. it's all set. Then Lindsey Graham is is siding with with, with you guys. You realize? Oh, it's so disappointing to us. Our teams. Yeah. yeah. Do you realize they feel comfortable with it? Oh, well, then I feel comfortable. Great. Not really.
Look at all the Bush's friends over here. They love this idea. Oh, great. Oh, okay, we're down. No problem. Is that the end of that nonsense, she? Let's hear Ducey. You know, Ducey always brings the receipts. That's why she, well, we don't have time now. God, she sucks. She puss sucks. All right, live from studios. Guys, I'm angry. Live from Studio 6B, 26 past the hour. We'll do some more news when we get back. Hello, I'm David Oliver. It's that time of year that we all pause to count our many blessings. We are grateful that you choose us to bring you truthful news and information. So from all your friends here at Real America's Voice, have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in paul nolan's here gonna do some more news rick delgado is here he may do some news as well uh geo friend holding it down as always rick amorati's off tonight so um make sure you follow us on social media all of our facebook twitter uh getter rumble parlor Make sure you follow, like, subscribe, whatever you got to do on social medias. We try to build the numbers. Eventually, I'm going to start doing something in the morning. I don't know when, but um, we'll kind of take you through the process of what we uh, do to kind of get ready for the show. Start looking at some early morning news. and <laughs> Cut to me and uh, looking at crypto, you napping on the couch. No, no, that's not what we do, Paul. Don't give away all the secrets. <laughs> there's a live look at us prepping for the show there's no one well, i may be a live look at you prepping for the snow show but it's not a live look at me prepping for the show so we'll start that in the morning at some point i just want to extend my gratitude to fran and geo for keeping the show going <laughs> they do all the work okay yeah there you go and they stay awake now well at least geo does <laughs> through the show so um, all right, let's do some more news and hear what that's Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, the Best Buy CEO says rising thefts is hurting business and it's traumatic for employees. Oh, you're, you're kidding me. Is that, is that not shocking? Wow. So Best Buy uh, CEO Corey Barry said the recent spike in mass store robberies is hurting the company's uh, business and has been traumatic. Uh, she told Squawk, uh, Squawk on the Street on CNBC Tuesday that... She has been seeing more loosely organized groups come together and target out stores, which is scaring employees. Barry said the company has been uh, has seen a significant increase in organized crime as some people uh, stealing from the stores bring weapons like a gun or a crowbar. Employees have been told not to confront these, and Barry said the safety of customers and employees are a top priority, even if it means that criminals can run off with thousands of dollars in merchandise. Pretty impressive. So what do you think? Uh, is that like Facebook groups? Like like we'll see like a, a meetup. We're going to meet up in front of this Best Buy and we're going to just all run in. And, and I don't even think in places like San Francisco you have to do that. I think they just know it's kind of become part of uh, what you can do yeah. because. You see some of the videos? It's like the shopping experience now. You can actually sign up for those kind of trips. You get on a bus. They take you over. <laughs> you put a, put a mask on your face. You run in. You loot the place. And then you get back on the bus. They take it back. Smash and grab and yeah. hit the road. Rick, can you imagine being the guy in that store? Like you're in Nordstrom's and you're the guy who like just bought like $500 worth of stuff. 
and you're walking out with your bag and the receipt and everyone's stealing everything and running out and do you just walk back to the front and be like, <laughs> I, I, I want to return this? I'm going to return this, and then I'm going to take it <laughs> like those guys did. Run back yeah. out with it? <laughs> yeah. 36, G, they, this was discussed, believe it or not, even on Morning Joe, this has caught the attention of. Roll that. This holiday season, a cloud of fear hanging over the Bay Area. After consecutive nights of broken glass and stolen goods, haunts some of the area's most posh shopping districts. Get on the, side. the spree started Friday night in San Francisco's Union Square. A swarm of vandals and looters targeted high-end stores like Louis Vuitton, Fendi, and Hermes. Witnesses posted videos of bag-toting thieves fanning out from caved-in windows. Police flooded in, attempting to pick off perpetrators as they fled. One video shows officers bashing in a car, then making an arrest after dragging a man from the vehicle. In all, nine stores were hit. Police say at least eight people arrested so far, with several weapons and thousands of dollars in merchandise recovered. This was not unplanned. Their plan was to overwhelm us. Their plan was hoping that we wouldn't be here, but we were. The next night, a massive flash mob surged through this Nordstrom's in nearby Walnut Creek. Law enforcement officials... A flash mob? What do they dance their way through the store? Is that what the wasn't a flash? Yeah, that's mob? that's what a flash mob is supposed to be, right? So they bust into song as they're stealing now. That are eighty guys in, in trench coats and nothing underneath when running through the store. I don't know. <laughs> this is insanity. You know what? In a way, it's almost good. Like just keep doing it in San Fran. Defund the police. Let the whole city cave in. Let it all just crumble to rubble, and we'll use that as a shining light of what not to do. Unbelievable. I don't know. A lot of these places have been run by the same party and the same people and the same representatives for yeah, go for ahead. years and years and years. At some point, though, they, these people are going to get tired of the uh, empty shops and start looking for where Pelosi lives, and they're going to run in there. You watch. It, it, it eventually will happen. That's the way these things happen. Eventually, they're going to come for them. They just don't think that, that it's going to happen. They think, oh, well, you know, we'll keep giving them some shekels so they can get some bread and uh, they'll be happy with us. You're saying they'll be safe in their ivory towers is their belief? Well, he's saying they don't. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying that they don't think they will be uh, safe in their ivory towers. It doesn't help that a lot of these corporate companies that are nationwide chains have non-confrontation uh, policies. So if you go in there and just take it, they can't stop you. Like the, the company doesn't want the problems that are going to be associated with you trying to yeah. stop a robbery. So as an employee, you're told us to step back and let it happen. Sure. Yeah, we saw that. the video of the guy riding his bike right out of the Walgreens. Went in, put all the, the stuff in the bag. The garbage bag. On the bike, turned around, right back out. <laughs> Go ahead, G. It's calling the attack well-organized. I saw people running down the street. I probably saw 50 to 80 people in, like, ski masks, crowbars, night, like, a bunch of weapons. Police closing in as thieves rushed with high-priced goods to waiting getaway cars. Some stopped by officers with guns drawn. On Sunday, Walnut Creek police hinted at more coordination, saying they were actively monitoring intelligence that indicates a group of thieves who stole from the Broadway Plaza Nordstrom last night are considering similar activity later today. It was sporadic. They had lookouts, uh, there were signals. We've seen it uh, go in spurts 
and then we'd make arrests and then we'd see it die down and then we'd see it pop back up again. Later that night, more chaos. This time, a group of about 30 thieves and looters struck at the Southland Mall in Hayward. We can't continue to allow people to freely flow in and out of this city, commit mm. these acts and get away with it. Maybe they're sure feeling the, the spirit San Francisco's talking when they do about- it. Maybe they're feeling the spirit, Mayor, when they do it. You know what they should do? They should be like, remember in the movie, it's, you know, 42nd Street where they, maybe they should send them over to Gimbel's. Don't, no, don't steal here. Go down the block and steal from our competitor. They have better prices. I mean, it's just, if you took, if you took somebody from 20 years ago, like an old timer from 20 years ago, and you showed them what was going on today, they would be like, no, that can't happen. Yeah. It can never happen. It's just stunning. I mean, it's, it's, it's by the way, every are, spokesperson, they cannot let a, a middle-aged white guy be a spokesperson. And, and these places are turning into, racist. you know, basically what could be considered a, a Snake Plissken movie, for Christ's sakes. Just, just you know, surround it with gates and let, let the animals have at it. Just call it a prison colony at this point. Put them all in there. It's just amazing, though. Like, if someone comes into your property and steals your stuff, can't do anything about it. Think all these, about but, that. But all these, all these people do, including this, this stupid mayor and the DA who, who, you know, we don't like to prosecute criminals because that m- might make them feel bad. That, th- this is what it leads to. But Why think, are they surprised? But wars were started over <laughs> theft of land and property and things. You know what I mean? People, this is... This is exactly the reason. Like, you saw some of the video. I don't know if you guys saw it, but some of the videos of the little boutiques, the mom and pop shops mm-hmm. getting a, a vis- like everything being taken out of it, and they just can't do a thing about it. Yeah. How are they not allowed to defend their property? Wars were started over women. You know, Helen of Troy, all that <clears throat> stuff. Think about it. And and but but we're descending into this type of chaos where where the mob rules and it just runs around and takes what it wants and destroys everything. And the the the, you know, quote unquote, politicians who are supposed to be the leaders sit there and uh, they don't do a damn thing about it. They promote policies that that, you know, enable and enhance criminality and and, everything is upside down. Everything is upside down. And look at all the cities that it's happening in. And you wonder why, you know, uh, uh, something like what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse happened. Because the policies that are put in place by these Democratic lawmakers, where they defund the police, they, they, they glorify the criminal. They, you know, we've, got a, we've got a vice president who has actually bailed out criminals. Where do you think this is leading to? I mean, seriously, do, do you think there? You, you think we're going to just walk through a magical gate and, oh, it's just going to be Disney rides and everything's going to be great? No, not at all. It, it's, it's insane, and it's happening everywhere. I mean, just crazy, a flash mob. I mean, they have Facebook meetup groups. But no, no, no. Let's put a let's put some people that walk through the Capitol. Let's let's keep them in jail in solitary for how many months now? How many months? What is it? Ten months at this point? Right. But they still can't find the bomber right, who had a cell phone, right. and the FBI can find anybody who's had a cell phone. Okay. All right. No, we see where this is going. 
No, you guys are good. Right. Meanwhile, now the seventy, what the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents are going to come after every person. Oh, no. you know, in the middle class, blue collar, hardworking. No, that's just go going after the, the rich people, Paul. The yeah. rich people. Yeah, the let's go Brandon types are going to all be hunted down. You're going to get your own personal IRS agent. <laughs> well, what Rick said about um, the policies <clears throat> enabling, encouraging, um, almost putting on a pedestal is really the core of, what, by like mayors like by her, who are all for defunding the police, all for being hip and and um, cool with the uh, you know the in thing for the for the party and the ideology, which of course is defund, reimagine, re you know re this, re that. And then she has the nerve to get on this interview and say something like that when it's it, she's as directly responsible for what's going on as all the leadership in California and San Francisco specifically, and the poor police are out there. And they're out there with their hands tied behind their back. Not only with hands tied. people like this who don't even want to, want to, don't want to mean to exist. Yeah, not only with their hands tied, but with a target on their back as well. You know, and then you've got not only these, 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 uh, these dried up fruits, but you also have the ones out in Hollywood, like a Mark Ruffalo, who, who, who refers to uh, Jojo. Jojo. I was, that's the next article I was yeah. going to do. I'm not kidding. Oh, Jojo's dead because of this white supremacist. Jojo, he he, he made up a cutesy name for 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 a, what a, the the guy was a rapist, right? Yeah. No, no, no joke. That oh. was the next article I was doing. Well, then we'll go into it next. I, <laughs> no. I, I won't steal your thunder. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go. You might as well. I just, I just <laughs> no, wanted to get it out, out there. Time anyway. He's calling him Jojo, like they're pals. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just Jojo. Free Jojo. He hasn't. He hasn't had enough. He hasn't enough uh, blood on his hands. Yeah, they celebrate criminals. They elevate them to the status. All right, live from Studio 6B. We'll, co- we'll come back. More of this when we get back. Uh, Paul and Rick doing some news. We got Crazy Town coming up. We're back, Rick. to the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in end of quote uh paul nolan's here with the news rick uh, delgado's here geofran holding it down as always so uh, renoa rick Emirati. but now so what are you saying he's texting you yes he's texting like yeah, crazy texting, texting a little group yeah, yeah. Says, is he trying to say that i was wrong <laughs> in the fact that he's not trying to avoid having to pick four days worth of games he, he said yeah. he's never backed down from a challenge in his life and he's coming after you murdoch what challenge? There's no challenge. He picks the games. I just wait to watch him lose. He says he's got eight picks. Eight picks, and he's coming after you. And he's putting 10K on the 10K. That's more than he, than he's already down. Okay. Well, we don't usually get to his picks until the next hour. So right. if you guys got him, you can speak for him, and we'll go through the picks, and we'll make notes. And uh... Is that per game 10K? 
No, I don't no, I think, think so. That would be irresponsible. Oh, he doesn't back down from a challenge. You know, that's a good idea, G. I challenge him to put 10K on each game. How about that? Sorry. Mr. I don't back down for a challenge. Wow. We'll see if he texts us. And no, see, that's see that's too right. much. Come on. All right, we'll get to that in an hour, too. So let's get back to the president today announcing that um, he's going to um, try to deal with, well, what all of you are dealing with in real life, which, of course, is your energy problems, your energy costs. Everything this much for a gallon of gas? And that, a gallon, gallon of gas. gas gallon of gas. Average price of uh, gasoline's up over a full dollar compared to last this time last year. And, of course, we've talked about inflation, how it's wreaking havoc on most people's lives, everyone's lives, from grocery bills to everything else. And if you're in the market for a new car right now and you're in a lease, don't wait till your lease is up. You better, you better be um, within a year. You better start talking to your, whoever you talk to about getting, a, getting in out of, into a new lease and out of the one you're in because... If you, unless you're lucky enough to find something that they have that they haven't sold or that you're willing to take because, man, cars are just are everything, like everything is hard to come by. But so here's Biden today after he tells us that he's going to run for re-election in 2024. <laughs> uh, talking about what he's going to do to uh, solve this issue, end of quote. And 23, G, no, I'm sorry, 22, here's the president today. Roll that. The big part of the, of the reason Americans are facing high gas prices is because oil-producing countries and large companies have not ramped up the supply of oil quickly enough to meet the demand. Okay, stop it. So, I mean, you're, so not, you just, you're talking to Geo or him? <laughs> stop it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, both. Yeah, he stopped it, and please stop it. You're, I mean, come on. <laughs> Who's the, buying that? The way he said stop it was just, like, perfect. I, I just... No one challenges him. Has nothing to do with what he did on day one with the with the pipelines. Has nothing to do with this whole party's um, uh, energy um, attack that we're going to be under. The Green New Deal. All his buddies in the um, at OPEC that he bows down to, telling him what he's going to do. No, it's nothing to do with any of that. And these guys didn't uh, do this, and he's always got someone. You know, it's Norris they've always got someone to blame. Mm-hmm. Most of the, most of the time, it's us. You, me. But the buck stops with him. Oh, no. But yeah, the buck's. The buck ran him over and he just doesn't know it. It never stops with him. He's got always got someone to blame. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing he's complaining about, you know, um, other countries not producing energy and oil and gas. When you mentioned, you know, when he first got into the office, what did he do? He closed down the, the, the production of the XL pipeline. And then he went over and uh, quickly okayed the Russian pipeline. Yeah. So, really, what are we talking about here? We all know where his allegiance, you know, where his allegiance is to. And it ain't to us. It ain't to you. All right, go ahead, G. And the smaller supply means higher prices globally, globally for oil. Globally. globally. To address these issues, I got on the Joey phone Tutan. with leaders from other countries grappling with this challenge to try to find ways to lower oil prices and ultimately to, to the, the price you pay at the pump. So today I'm announcing that the largest ever release from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help provide the supply we need as we recover from this pandemic. In addition, right, so I brought stop, together other stop. nations. It, it, it's two days. What he has called for 
we use in this country in two days. This is going to have no effect, nominal, if not zero effect, on the price of gas. He takes no responsibility for his own policies that have had more to do with this than anything else. His climate change policies, canceling the pipelines like we talked about, uh, federal oil leases he's trying to freeze so there's no drilling. It's a full-fledged attack on energy. We know that. It was in, we talked about the Biden-Sanders, um, that thousand-page um, manifesto. We talked about it forever. It was all in there. This is no secret. He told us about it in his last campaign stop. We're going to put them all out of business. Yeah. So, so, you know, what's amazing about him saying this now is that, you know, he's riding in there. Here he comes, old Joe on his horse to save the day to fix a problem that he created. Yeah. <laughs> Crush tens of thousands of jobs, cancel the pipeline. Right. All this green climate change energy. Uh, oh, no, that had nothing to do with it. I'm going to, the guys didn't ramp it up fast enough. Right. This guy. Like having a surgeon go ahead and take the other leg off because he, he screwed up the first time. Go yeah, ahead, I don't G. think so. To contribute to the solution, India, Japan, oh. Republic of Korea, and the United Kingdom have agreed to release additional oil from their reserves, and China may do more as well. This coordinated action will help us deal with a lack of supply, which in turn helps ease prices. The bottom line, today we're launching a major effort to moderate the price of oil an effort that will span the globe and its reach and ultimately reach your, cor- your corner gas station, God willing. I've worked hard these past few weeks on You've calls and meetings with foreign leaders, policymakers, to put together the building blocks for today's global announcement. End quote. And while our, combina- our combined actions will not solve the problem of high gas prices overnight, it will make a difference. No, it won't. It will take time, but before long, you should see the price of gas drop where you fill up your tank. And in the longer term, we will reduce our reliance on oil as we shift to clean energy. See, this is the thing, man. There you go. (laughs) Once again, Central Plan is telling us how it is and how it's going to be. And we're going to now deal with lithium and, and, and these BS alternative energy sources and the, the whole nonsense of, of, you know, you know, we're destroying the climate, Americans bad, humans bad, human evil, mouth-breathing animal. It's a joke. Just do your homework and just look at who's, who has all the green energy prop. You know, it's, it's ExxonMobil. It's the same group. They're all, it's, everything's a coordinated effort to just to screw the daylights out of every one of us. And what's just crazy like, is, what, what was it, like uh, 11 months ago, we were, were we the largest exporter of, of energy and fuel and stuff around the world? Yep. I believe, and and today we're 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 pleading with Saudi Arabia and Russia, please, please, sir, won't you release more oil? And they tell us to go scratch. So what does he do? He goes and scratches and and, and blames. Well, you know, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. They make all these decisions, and then you see the results of those decisions, and then it comes to them, and you ask them questions, and they go, "Well, it wasn't our decisions that led to it." Yeah, I'm just the pitch man. I'm, I'm, I didn't make this choice. You don't I'm, think your I'm, policy has anything I'm, to do with it? Oh, no. It's, uh, no it's, I didn't. Not, not, it's just not, a coincidence not. that we made all these decisions and then all this stuff happened. No, it's just, <laughs> yeah. no. just a coincidence. Don't, don't worry. Don't ask us questions. 
You and mean- he goes on in that clip, by the way, which we didn't have the end of it. He goes on to say to the American people, you know, just you have to have a little different perspective, he says. Ah. You have to change your perspective of how you're looking at things. Because he knows that what he's doing in getting 50 million barrels of oil, which is two days worth supply, maybe two and a half, is going to do nothing. Zero. Zero. To bring down gas prices at the pump. Maybe a penny if he's lucky. Coming up, more news and uh, maybe some sports betting. Even paying this much for a gallon of gas? Studio 6B, hour two. I'm just trying to log into this uh, stupid article. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Gio Fran holding it down as always. Damon unprepared. Uh, Rick Delgado's here as well. We got Crazy Town coming up in hour two. We got more news. We got the energy secretary, who's just a total idiot. Um... AD, does uh, the LMS 6B code still work for gifts in this holiday season at MyPillow? <laughs> because it does support the show, does it not? LFS 6B is the code to use. Yes, MyPillow, Mike Lindell. Um, get your holidays order in now. Make sure you have them on time, whether it's the slippers, whether it's the pillows, whether it's the... Um, <clears throat> you know, Mike's book, I haven't read it yet, but everybody who I know who has says it's fantastic. He has an amazing story. You know, from drug addict to really being down and out to coming up with this idea and building this absolutely huge. I mean, he's just got a great story. His faith, obviously, has led him his entire life. And man, he got it off the rails there for a while, but he got it back on and really, really got it together. His book uh, is, I hear it's fantastic. I haven't read it yet, but um, obviously all their products made in America and just... um, well, now's the time. I mean, give somebody, you know, it's, you got to get eight hours of sleep every night. Man, the damn pillow is a big part of it. So just I, give somebody the original my pillow. You know what's also part of it? Reading a bed and book. I get like nine words in. And I'm... <laughs> so that's also part of it. Maybe yeah. that's Emirati's problem. He just needs more my pillows. <laughs> you know, that's a good point, G. I never even thought to ask him about that when he said his back was killing him. If he, is he sleeping on a my pillow or he's sleeping on some old uh, rag that he's had forever that's probably all, you know, the stuffings out of it. It's probably wet. And, oh, God, who knows? Hard to afford new pillows when you're down all that money. Well, that's true, least, too. Uh, he's, yeah, he's down a lot, true. so I don't know if but, he can afford it. But, you know, with that 66%, he, you know, Mike Lindell I'll might I'll buy him a damn him pillow if he needs one. I, actually, I think his, uh, his birds all have my pillows. Yeah, exactly so. <laughs> Uh, go to MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. We made it as easy as possible to get to our deals just for this audience. 
MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, if you don't buy a pillow from us, we're just going to have to keep running an extension cord to keep the lights on in the neighbor's office. So just buy up, buy everything, buy it all now and for Rick Amorati's sake. <laughs> so Mount, Mount Sinai uh, Hospital closes in Long Beach uh, emergency room, I should say, due to a shortage of vaccinated nurses, officials say. Uh, Mount Sinai South Shore Hospital um, closed its emergency department for up to a month, possibly longer, on Monday afternoon due to the shortage of vaccinated nurses. The hospital officials noticed the, uh, notified the Department of Health on Friday and filed a formal closure plan. Uh, officials said the closing of the Barrier Islands only emergency room was done to maintain staffing levels at the hospital's main campus in Oceanside to face... Um, in the face of uh, the nursing shortage. This is this is incredible. Um, there are eight to ten ER nurses that normally rotate between Long Beach and the main hospital in Oceanside. They will now stay in Oceanside, officials said. Uh, patients coming from Long Beach ER will be redirected 20 minutes away to the main hospital in Oceanside, and an ambulance will be stationed and closed uh, at the closed Long Beach department at all times. And Long Beach City Councilwoman um, Liz Treston, a Democrat, said Mount Sinai, uh, South Nassau, should have a contingency plan after having months to prepare uh, for the vaccine mandate. Um, we kind of knew this was coming, but it's this is this is not far from us. Uh, yeah, we have a cut to go with it too. Um, cut thirty-five. G, roll that. The temporarily closed sign went up late Monday afternoon outside of Long Beach's only emergency room, and it stunned some city residents. With hardly any notice, this was thrust upon us in our community. This civic leader calls it shameful. This facility sees 70,000 patients a year. It was shut down just hours after the hospital that runs it announced its closure. I'm very concerned. This Long Beach councilwoman fought back tears, worried, she says, that a city of 50,000 now has no ER. But Mount Sinai South Nassau Hospital blames New York's COVID vaccine mandate for this shutdown. The hospital says it lost six dozen healthcare employees today, all unvaccinated workers who had been allowed to stay on the job with a religious exemption. But New York's Department of Health withdrew those exemptions as of today, and that created a shortage of ER nurses here. I'm disappointed. I, I think it's a great facility. My wife and daughter have been here. Sal Giamalvo himself was among the last to be treated here today. Now concerned, he says, about having to drive 15 to 20 minutes to the closest ER that's five miles away in Oceanside. You know, the pandemic here, it's, it's such a big... So it's, so it's, you know, it's so, um, so important that we're, we're firing and getting rid of um, all of the um, hospital workers, frontline workers, because that, that seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and I know that the announcer there, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, five miles away, but anybody who, who lives or has ever driven on Long Island knows it takes you at least 20 minutes to get anywhere. <laughs> So five miles, like they said, could take 15 to 20 minutes because it's just it, there's so much congestion and that can be life life changing. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, you know, that barrier beach there, I mean, it's isolated. I mean, and everything in Long Beach is I mean, there's no there's, if, yeah, there's no way if, out. 
There's no way out. <laughs> I mean, it really is. That barrier beach is just, you know, if you're on that island, you just live and breathe there and you, you visit there in the summer. But this is, that's tough for the elderly in that area. This is, this is another example of just. These are the things that make people say, you know, I, I, just, I think we're getting played here because it's just um, people who are on the front lines of this thing as it came in and no one knew what the hell we were dealing with all of a sudden now are just, dis just get rid of them. Oh, if they're not going to follow our unconstitutional mandate, we can fire them. Oh, but, but hey, with the cases and the, everything's up, oh, whatever. They're not, they're not, they're, they're anti-vax. It doesn't matter what they do. Yeah. Yeah. They're not willing to take the shot. It doesn't seem to be working. That doesn't matter. How about early treatment with other things that do work? No. Fire them if they talk about that. They can't treat their patients. We tell them how to treat their patients now. And also, if I heard that report right, these were people who had religious exemptions. It wasn't just, you know. It doesn't matter. Efficacy. We heard the recording of the guy. How do we get around the religious exemptions? We got to strategize on how to get around all this. And to further this point, here's Biden today, by the way. Supply chain, uh, cost of goods, inflation. What does he do? Shortly before leaving for Nantucket Tuesday afternoon, the White House announced President Joe Biden has now issued another vaccine mandate. Oh, yay. All non-resident essential workers crossing into the United States must be fully vaccinated. President Biden will require essential non-resident travelers crossing U.S. land borders, such as truck drivers, government and emergency response officials to be fully vaccinated beginning on January 22nd, the administration plans to announce on Tuesday today, which I believe they did. Essential travelers entering by ferry will also be required to be fully vaccinated by the same date. Nearly 2 million illegal immigrants who have crossed into the U.S. from Mexico this year are not required to be vaccinated. But if you're a truck driver, now you have till January 22nd to decide if you want to keep your job. But he's going to fix the supply chain, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> he's going yeah. to fix it. He's out to the ports. And they're going to be open 24-7. Even though there's not enough people to work them, don't worry about it. It's still open. Oh, okay. You're only down 80,000 truck drivers. Eh, don't worry about it. The workers Biden it. is targeting were considered essential throughout the height of the pandemic in 2020 when vaccinations weren't available. Despite working on the front lines during the crisis, regularly exposing themselves to the risk, workers now face the inability to do their jobs due to this new government mandate. Essential workers coming into the U.S. or Mexico and Canada are often delivering goods and food. But the stocks are going to be, don't worry, don't worry. Domestically, the American Trucking Association filed a lawsuit earlier this month opposing Biden's vaccine mandate for private businesses and warned the government regulation could further exacerbate the supply chain crisis. Oh, you think? The trucking industry already faces, get it, G, a driver shortage. Roll it. When we're talking about how the drivers would uh, feel about a, ma a vaccine mandate, what, what, what kind of reactions are you getting from them on that? Just all of them required for a vaccine to do business. Yeah, I, I want to be clear and qualify this, that this isn't about being pro or anti-vax for us. Um, you know, we're been, we've been moving the vaccine. 
PPE and test kits. So this is uh, something our industry is very forward leaning on. Uh, but in our sample survey of our fleets, uh, it, it came back as 37% of our drivers not only said no, but hell no. Now, let's just take a conservative number. Let's just say 3.7%, not 37%, were to actually leave rather than get the vaccine. That'd be catastrophic. We're already short 80,000. That's going to inflate to a quarter million. So for us, you know, we've tried to be very clear with the administration that if you do this, I understand the logic behind it, but if you do this, these are the consequences. So if you're trying to solve the supply chain problem, you know, you're actually compounding it and actually hurting the very problem that you're trying to fix on the vaccine side. So, you know, be careful what you wish for here. Uh, I also don't think, Congressman, that OSHA has the jurisdiction to do this. There you go. Hmm. That's, that's How about point. this? I don't know if you guys saw this, but a Kansas sheriff uses world-class antibody tests to let employees see if they're immune from COVID. Um, Kansas uh, legislature moves uh, further towards enshrining the right to refuse the controversial COVID-19 vaccine into law. Uh, Johnson uh, County Sheriff Calvin Hayden has made the revolutionary immune system test available to his employees with the goal of allowing them to make an informed decision about their health. According to Hayden's office, um, the only known uh, antibody test that will test the T level and provide an accurate reading of an individual's COVID-19 immunity. So he's trying to keep guys on the job and giving them a little bit of freedom here. What a novel idea, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of private businesses that have fought back against Biden. But getting back to that to that clip of of that gentleman who's who, gee, who would you say that guy was? He's He's the the, um, CEO of the American Truckers Association. Yeah. You know, the thing is, you can say all that to Biden, but, you you know, the the issue is with the Democrats and Biden and Pelosi and all of them. It's party. It's party and ideology first. They do not give a damn about you, how it affects you, your life, that, that, that's so far down the list of cares. All they care about is party, power, ideology first. He doesn't care if you say, hey, we're 84,000 short, pal. If you do this, it's a quarter million. Do you know what that's going to do to uh, supply chain, to getting goods, food, everything? What, how, how that trickles down? Number one, you wouldn't even have the conversation with him because he wouldn't take he wouldn't even take the call or the meeting because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. So um, a couple other things on the energy and gas prices. Because, you know, all the right people are in place to uh, to take care of it. And Jennifer Granholm, of course, is one of them. She's the uh, energy secretary. She's 20, smart. 24G. Let's hear a little bit of her today. She was in the um, press briefing room today. She, of course, remember I played to you the clip of uh, from when she went on Bloomberg last week, and he said, what are we going to do about this? And her response was to just cackle, laugh out loud, and say, well, I don't have the magic wand. 
I'm only the energy secretary. <laughs> what she said today in the press briefing room, if Rick Perry had talked like that when he was in there, it'd be the lead story on every mainstream media news that, that he needs to be replaced and there's something wrong with him and he's dangerous for the country and everything else. Here she is today. Let's go through a couple of these. Cut 24, G. Roll that. I felt so honored to join the president's cabinet because I know his uh, deep desire to make sure that we are doing everything in our power to reduce burdens for real people and uh, to give opportunity to American families. And top of mind, of course, as you have heard today, is making sure that every American has access to affordable energy, both at home and at the pump. (laughs) And um, while our energy information agency, that's underneath the DOE, it uh, predicts that we are going to turn the corner in 2022. The fact is right now that energy prices at the pump and at home are too high. Some bureaucratic this, um, administration unelected bureaucrat told me that people are seeing this every single day as they go to work, as they fill their their cars with gas, and we also recognize who's hurt the most. Okay, from this. G, that's enough of this. Oh my goodness, she's useless. That's enough for her. She's useless. Let's go to uh, twenty-five. Let's see. Uh, let's see about the questions. How she did? Maybe she did better with the questions. Let's hear that. Roll that. How many barrels of oil does the U.S. consume per day? I don't have that number in front of me. So right, stop. Some no, just stop. <laughs> I have uh, Jen Psaki's notes. What? <laughs> I have Jen Psaki's notes. Uh, so I have no idea. I'll, I'll circle back. How, how many barrels of oil does America use a day? It's not like he said, you know, give me the ingredient. How do you, these guys uh, actually take... Uh, yeah. X and make Y and what's the process and we're talk me through osmosis here and uh, I mean he didn't ask like how many barrels do we use a day I don't have that number well then you shouldn't be the energy secretary because you could go to this thing called Google and find out in about four seconds and of course she the point is of course she knows but she'll sound stupid if she says well we use 25 million a day and then even this guy you would think would say so you tap two days worth? How's that going to make a difference? <laughs> Go ahead, roll it, G. About 18 million, which would suggest you're releasing less than three days worth of supply from the uh, petroleum. There reserve. you go. Why is that enough? Well, we, what we are doing, plus what other countries may be doing, which will be less than what we're doing, because we have the largest... Um, amount of strategic petrol, of petroleum reserves. And why is that? We believe will be this bridge. I mean, the Energy Information Agency has said, for example, that in December, the, um, this is what they have projected. Now, again, it's probably more of an art than a science. Projecting is um, subject to a lot of different um, volatility. But that in December, the price will be uh, $3.19 a gallon. And then in January, continue to go down. So this is really a question about a short-term strategy that allows us to make this bridge. So it's not we're going to not supply all of the oil for three days, obviously. We want it, We will be releasing it over a period of time, and uh, we will uh, have a certain amount that uh, oh, each particular amount. cavern is releasing. But we're not saying that we're going to be supplying all oil for the country. Uh, we're just going to try to do what we can do it to temper and it's coming over several weeks then you said mm-hmm. it will be it's well first of all 
We are not going to release it all at once. It will be thoughtfully done uh, over the next bit thoughtfully of time. Done. Um, <laughs> and it will be dependent on those who bid. So that takes a little bit of time to do. But listening to you just now, it sounds like you're saying price is going to hit a certain amount in December and then down into January. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be over mark. a few weeks. It'll be over. So uh, we're looking at Increased prices continuing through the Christmas season. Well, we're hopeful that this will, because it's increasing supply and it's the largest effort ever, we are hopeful that there will be a lid. Although some of this honestly has, there has been movement um, on oil, the price of uh, per barrel has dropped about 10% since this conversation started and was out there. So we're right, gee, hopeful that, I, does she um, sound like she has any clue? Stabilized? Do any of these people who are in this administration sound like they have a handle on? You know, Trump used to walk in the press briefing room with no notes, the spitball, no nothing, and sit there and take questions for two hours, and he could talk about every issue, every issue, every question. He could hit you with the answers. He could talk about a breadth of of issues, just going in there and standing there. These babbling fools go in there and they can't tell you anything about anything. Does she sound like she has a hand, uh, a handle on what's going to bring down energy prices for you? I mean, I could have told you gas was going to go down in January because it almost always goes down in January. <laughs> right. No one moves. Everyone stays still, recovering from the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, it's every person in here. When we were going through the withdrawal in Afghanistan, we listened to Tony Blinken every day. We listened to Kirby every day. None of them sound like they have any idea what's going on. Now we're going through energy prices. We have to listen to her. We go through the infrastructure. We got to listen to Buttigieg. We, ed education, we got to listen to Cardona. Of course, I know more of, the, of the, these guys than Biden even knows. And he put them in these positions. He doesn't even know who they are. I mean, it's just, it, this is why everybody, every country around this world, China, Russia, they're all laughing, thinking, this is what we're going to deal with for the next four years? Ah, please, we're going to have our way. It's just unbelievable. All right, one, one more if I can stomach it. Because you labeled it here, said she's grilled about this release, uh, 25. Let me hear a little bit of that. Oh, that's the one we played? She's, uh, she's, she's, uh, hmm. she's, she's the, the female version of Joe Biden. Basically empty. Really doesn't have an answer. Stammering around. Sounds like a politician because she's actually not saying anything. And, uh, yeah, this is another example of uh, liberal policies and failing upwards. That's it. She has failed her way upwards, and we are paying for it. Not only, not only through our, our, our lives right now, but with our tax dollars because she's mooching off of us. And this is what they come up with. All know. right. We don't have time for the whole thing, but let's quickly hear from the other genius in the room, G Cut 30. Let's hear her logic behind this number of barrels. Roll that. Back on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Sure. Uh, the president made note of the fact that this is the largest release ever, larger than after Hurricane Katrina, larger than after the 1991 Iraq War. Uh, the Energy Secretary, in response to Rachel's question, was not able to explain what impact this might actually have. 
for drivers. So how did you arrive at 50 million barrels? What, where did that number come from? It's the largest release ever. Why? What's the goal? Well, as I noted a little bit earlier, Steve, um, 18 million barrels of this sale was, in fact, already congressionally required, and the president's accelerating that, which is important for people to understand. Yes, it's a part of the largest release, but he just moved it forward uh, several, a couple of months to provide immediate relief as we work to ensure there's a bridge. The remaining 32 million is from, in the form of an exchange, putting barrels on the market now in exchange for their return in the future. And the exchange is a tool matched to today's specific economic environment. Again, wait, I would wait, reiterate. Whoa, 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 what, what did she just say? <laughs> 18 of the 50 are coming to us. The other yes. 32 million are not even for us. China and India. Oh, God. No, they got it, folks. They're, they're, they got it under control. Really, they're out for you. Hello, I'm David Oliver. It's that time of year that we all pause to count our many blessings. We are grateful that you choose us to bring you truthful news and information. So from all your friends here at Real America's Voice, have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night our final show of the week as we uh go away for thanksgiving break we hope you all have a great one as well got a little thanksgiving message here in the last segment i'll read to you Ooh. and i liked i thought it was a nice nice piece by uh timothy head in town hall today on thanksgiving and what we should be thankful for i'll do a little bit of that uh we'll do some more news Saki was asked about Biden today, where he's going for Thanksgiving. G says the clip's pretty good. We'll get to that in a second. But let's get to Crazy Town, G. Haven't done that yet. Joe Biden explains how he's solving all our problems. Roll it. This week, uh, millions of Americans, including some of the people in this room, are likely to be hitting the road. As they do, I want to take a moment to talk about the economy, both the progress we made and the challenges we remain that we have to face. Something. More people are well starting said. small businesses than ever before, and our economy has created a record 5.6 million jobs since I became president on January 20th. Moms and dads are worried, asking, will there be enough food we can afford to buy for the holidays? Will we be able to get Christmas presents to the kids on time? And if so, will they cost me an arm and a leg? I've worked hard these past few weeks. Shipping prices are down 25%. More goods are moving more quickly and more cheaply out of our ports, onto your doorsteps and onto store shelves. And so all these concerns a few weeks ago, there would be, uh, there'd not be ample food available for Thanksgiving. So many people <laughs> talked about that, understandably. But families can rest easy. Grocery stores are well stocked with turkey and everything else you need for Thanksgiving. And that's good news for those moms and dads who are worried about whether the Christmas gifts will be available. It goes for everything from bicycles to ice skates. 
You know, today, though, I, I want to address another challenge. High gas prices. Of course, it's always painful when gas prices, gas prices spike. Today, the price of gas in America, on average, is $3.40 a gallon. In California, it's much higher. The big part of the, of the reason Americans are facing high gas prices is because oil-producing countries and large companies have not ramped up the supply of oil of quickly enough to meet the demand. Sure. To address these issues, I got on the phone with leaders from other countries yeah. grappling with this challenge to try to find ways to lower oil prices and ultimately to, to the, the price you pay at the pump. Today, we're launching a major effort to moderate the price of oil, an effort that will span the globe in its reach and ultimately reach your, your corner gas station, God willing. But the price of the pump hasn't budged a penny. In other words, gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more. Oh, and they do not seem to be passing it on to the consumers at the pump. And while our, our combined actions will not solve the problem of high gas prices overnight, we're increasing its availability. It, what it's doing is increasing the availability of jobs <laughs> from the middle off. class and working families that are spending much too much and it's a strain. And you're the reason I was sent here to look out for you. What? There's what? another issue that we'll be addressing as well. Jobs building electric cars like the one I drove in the GM Detroit, the GM factory in Detroit last week. For the hundreds of thousands of folks who brought it's one really of those hard. electric cars, they're going to save $800 to $1,000 in fuel costs. Brain starting to freeze. Even as we meet, even as we meet to work uh, out this challenge, America has a lot to be proud of. Is that a sentence? We're experiencing the strongest economic recovery in the world. Uh, this Thanksgiving, uh, we have so much to be grateful for. <laughs> Vaccines that are effective, safe, and free. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you, and may God protect our troops. And I'm heading to a, a food kitchen to serve meals right now. Oh, Thank God. you for your time and effort. Now, plenty of time to talk to you. Later. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time to talk to you in 2023. Yeah, well... I got to be honest, he is just some order. When he speaks, I just feel, I just feel safe and cozy. Yeah. He's like a warm blanket. With a bunch of holes in it. <laughs> his enunciation is just the marbles in his mouth. Well, and the reading, as you can tell, he, he struggles to read the prompter in front of him, end quote. <laughs> And, uh, End quote. you know, he, he, it's just, uh, and once he starts reading, there's no emotion there. You, you, you know, he's reading, Yeah, you know, a, it, it becomes, throw it. yeah, it becomes very painful because it's like, and we're moving forward to, to, uh, get the, get the, you know, because you, I'm the person that you, you continued, wanted to, you continue on the next page. Huh? I think it's better than no prompter though. Cause then he just starts like going back and forth between whispering and screaming. See, I think that would be better. Because I think we need to see more of that. I yeah. think, you know what it is? I think a lot of the American people, especially all the, the, the morons that voted for him, still think he's doing a good job. Because what, what's the number? They, they say it's like around 37%. They still think he's, hey, he's doing great. No. No. Look. I know it's tough to admit what you're seeing before you is real life. Is this real life? Yes, it's real life. You're saying, is, you're saying no, that it's not 36% or no, you shouldn't be supporting him? I think a little of both. Probably both. 
I, I got off track. I think I suffered a, a, a Bidenism. <laughs> you know, I heard people, com- you know, when he did the end of quote, like trying to compare it to Ron Bergen, and I say to you people out there, how yeah. dare you besmirch the good name of Ron Burgundy <laughs> compared to this buffoon. I thought, at the, I thought at the end there, he was going to say, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to wherever he's spending Thanksgiving. And Saki <laughs> was asked about that today uh, by, again, Peter Ducey, I believe. Or maybe not Ducey. It was Ducey because he's the only one who asked any real questions. Uh, here is that exchange. Roll that, G. What message does it send to the middle class Americans President Biden says that he's trying to help? who are struggling this week to cover the cost of the most expensive Thanksgiving ever, that the president is going to take a few days off at a billionaire's compound in Nantucket. Well, first I would say, I don't know if you've cooked a turkey before, but a 20-pound turkey is a pretty big turkey. I think we can all agree. They're about $1 more. Uh, So not to minimize that, any increase in prices is something the president is concerned about, as is evidenced by his announcement today and as his efforts to push forward on additional relief for the American people. But I just want to be clear that there are abundance of turkeys available. There are about $1 more for a 20-pound bird, which is a huge bird if you're feeding a very big family. Uh, And that's something that, again, we've been working to make sure people have more money in their pockets to address it as the economy is turning back on. What the president said today that he was sent here to look out for these working and middle-class families who are strained right now. So what should they read into him leaving now at this time of uh, great personal financial hardship for so many to go to Nantucket for the week? Well, first I would say, Peter, that uh, I hope you're spending time with your family. I'm spending time with my family. I hope everybody in here is spending time with their families. This is a time to put politics aside, uh, spend time with your loved ones, and talk about what you're grateful for. I will also tell you from spending some time working for this president and a past president that you are president no matter where you are. Uh, He will conduct his work from wherever he is on any vacation, on (laughs) any time. Uh, he is in Delaware, at Camp David, or wherever he may be spending time with his loved ones. Uh, he has secure phone uh, capabilities. He has staff traveling with him. And I think the American That's people can be assured that he will continue to press to lower their costs and ensure they have more breathing room. You see, you see how she um, immediately makes it about why you, you, why you complaining? It's a right. dollar more. Yeah. Why are you plebs complaining about prices for things? It's a dollar more. Yeah. And she just pummeled him with syllables. It was like a full Nelson of syllables and just words. Just pummeled. She just spewed so much nonsense at him. Yeah, but didn't answer the question. Why? And and by the way, who is this billionaire he's going? And what kind of influence does this billionaire have on him and the policies that he's going to be responsible for? Can you answer? Can you even answer a question? Why is he going to a billionaire's mansion? Didn't didn't this administration (laughs) tell us that July Fourth they saved us sixteen cents on something like last year? Yeah, I think hot dogs. And now, and then she's now telling us that we shouldn't be worried about a a dollar increase in. uh, and by the way, is of that course. accurate? And are we factoring in the yeah, rate of, course. of inflation, who knows? by the right. way? Yeah, who knows if that's accurate? And that's one part of a much bigger picture that people are suffering through. But again, like Paul said, when you're the propaganda in chief, that's the kind of answer you get. And she's good at it. Maybe she gets a deal on turkeys because they get from the uh, that presidential turkey primary that Biden was talking Maybe about. Maybe she's going to take peanut butter and yeah. he's going to take jelly. Yeah. Well, there was there was a bunch of there's like twenty other turkeys that didn't make the cut. So one of one of them was Peter Schiff. 
I'm sorry? Nothing. It's just turkeys. I shift, shifty shift. I was just trying to make a turkey reference to very bad joke. I'm going to work Adam on that. Schiff. Okay. <laughs> um, right, right, right. That, the other thing I'm we should. the banking scam. The other thing we should talk about, because I've seen, again, we've, uh, is the Rittenhouse. Uh, so I did anyone see Rittenhouse's interview? Yeah. Yep. What'd you think? I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a great job considering yeah. his age and, and the, the, you know, you gotta, you gotta say the last year has probably been fairly traumatic for the, for the kid, um, spending three months in jail and all that stuff. And, and, you know, coming out, uh, I thought he came out swinging, but in a way that it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't braggadocious. Right. Or, exactly. You know, what was your big takeaway from it? I think, at least for mine, the way he addressed the Biden situation. What was your takeaway from it, Paul? Honestly, mine was he was just an earnest, sincere, decent young man who was caught up in something way bigger than him. Because the way he used the word when he described it, he said that Biden used malice against actual malice. It sounds like uh, he's been talking to some attorneys. Yeah. So Saki was asked about, this because by the way she's going to have some uh maybe lawyering up to do too what she said about him but let's hear this roll that would the president ever apologize to the acquitted kenosha shooter kyle rittenhouse for suggesting online and on tv that he is a white supremacist <laughs> well let's be clear what we're talking about here this is about a campaign video released last year that used President Trump's own words during a debate as he refused to condemn white supremacists and militia groups. And President Trump, as we know from history, and as many of you covered, didn't just refuse to condemn militia groups on the debate stage, he actively encouraged them throughout his presidency. That's so, a lie. Uh, That's a you know, lie. what we've seen are the Back tragic Jack. consequences of that. When people think it's okay to take the law into their own hands, instead of allowing law enforcement to do its job. And the president <laughs> believes in condemning support. hatred, division, and violence. That's exactly what was done in that video. But if uh, you're saying that wasn't it was just question. a campaign video, it wasn't. The president also gave an interview where he said this uh, Rittenhouse was part of a militia coming out of Illinois. Have you ever heard this president referring to Trump say one negative thing about white supremacists? These are all things. Uh, none of this was proven in the trial. And Kyle Rittenhouse is saying that the president had actual malice in defaming his character. Is that what happened here? The, the president spoke to the verdict uh, last week. Uh, he has obviously <laughs> condemned uh, the hatred and division and violence we've seen around the country by groups like the Proud Boys uh, and what? groups that uh, that individual has posed in photos with. Um, but beyond that, I'll leave it to his comments around the verdict. <laughs> Sounds like a doubling down by Jen Psaki. <laughs> It sounds like she's uh, she's very uncomfortable with that question. I'll tell you, that would be very interesting if he does that. He goes after Biden. Oh, discovery. Thirteen to the hour, live from Studio Six B. Do a little more news before we wrap it up uh, for the week. Paul Nolan, what else is going on? Well, this is just tragic and sad. Sixth uh, victim died, an eight-year-old boy, mm. after the Black Lives Matter supporter barreled his SUV through Waukesha Christmas Parade. Um, eight-year-old uh, Jackson Sparks died 
in the hospital Tuesday after BLM driver's assault on the parade. Um, I mean, look, say his name, Jackson Sparks. I mean, share his picture, share his name, make it go viral because this is being stuffed under the rug. It's just brutal. And the guy who did it, if you took every one of his social media tweets and you replace the word white with black, and you reverse the whole entire thing, you would have what we would call some kind of a white supremacist or a absolute racist and somebody who is just corrupted to the core with hate. And um, it's just so irresponsible, the media not, you know, what they do. It's just irresponsible. So if you guys, gee, can you roll that clip? We could just, for the people who haven't seen... A little bit about well, what's this the guy. clip? It was, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, this is just this is him talking about his, uh, you know, about his prior problems, and um, you know, his problems with his underage girl that he was friends with, right? And then as soon as we fall out, all of a sudden, now I'm a pedophile. Let me explain that. Ten years ago, 2006. I caught a case with my oldest daughter's mama. Yes, my baby mama. She's from Oakland. I was busting moves in Nevada. I meet the she say she want to get down, so I'm pimping on the I'll take her to Nevada. You know what I'm saying? I get cracked. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know the 16 at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, yeah, she was that I was pimping and, and uh, that she was 16 and that I didn't know that. Okay? So what he, what he said there was... <laughs> <laughs> You give it to Cypher. Reminds me of the airplane movie. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Paul speaks jive, everyone. So uh, stand back. He's but what gonna, he said in context was that he wasn't just, he was busting a move in Las Vegas, but right. that means making a buck. And I, and pimping, and she was hoeing, is a form of selling. You can't say that? <laughs> oh, but I was just trying to explain in context what it was with, you know, anyway. um, Basically, he's saying she lied. And he's right? fully admitting that he was with a child and trafficked her. And this is the guy that where the media is, is talking to, like, just defending him right out of the gate and not saying there's no dialogue about his social media history. It's stunning. It's truly stunning. Well, not it's, only that, but his past obvious, uh, you know, criminal history. That that. It's a criminal act, right? Tra uh, trafficking someone over state lines. Yeah, remember the whole story about you know Gates and they ran with it and run with it and run. Uh, so anyway, let's not dwell on this too long. But say his name, Jackson Sparks, the poor little yeah, that family. I, I wonder how many uh, how many cities are going to burn for this kids for this poor kid. Speaking of burning cities, there's been the worldwide resistance uh, as of uh, uh, worldwide um, of uh, like this tyranny and there's been huge protests in Melbourne, Rome and now New York City, the worldwide rally for freedom returned to New York City this week and drawing tens of thousands of fed up New Yorkers to the streets to stand up for their pre uh, freedoms. The massive demonstra demonstrations mirrored the worldwide freedom rallies that took place in dozens of cities and countries, including Australia, Italy, Ireland, Belgium, and Austria, and several others. According to Kevin Peters, one of the groups uh, New York organizes, the protest is the culmination of a broader coalition coming together like never seen before. City workers, firefighters, sanitation workers, teachers, cops, healthcare workers, liberty groups, medical freedom activists, parents, and everyday New Yorkers. And the one thing about this, uh, the videos of these rallies, um, everybody was from every nationality. 
it wasn't just white folk and it wasn't just black and it was uh, a melting pot of New York City and uh, it was nice to see people unified and in unity talking about their liberty and it was in a, the video is impressive and let's let me guess it was featured heavily on CBS ABC NBC Fox News MSNBC CNN they all ran huge things on this right yeah, so so much so that I had a video queued up on YouTube, and then it was gone. It was great aerial video of 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 the massive amount of people, and I went back to get it to send to Geo. It was gone. All right, so let me um, change gears a little bit here. This Thanksgiving, let's be intentional about gratitude. We still have every reason to give thanks says Timothy Head in town hall tonight. This year hasn't been easy, he says. As the pandemic has dragged on, Americans have continued to face adversity in almost every aspect of their lives. People continue to suffer from COVID-19. Many of us have lost loved ones, and now the country is facing sky-high inflation and supply chain disasters, both of which threaten to make the holidays more expensive and more frustrating than ever before. That all makes Thanksgiving a little bit more difficult than usual. Every year, Americans get together with family and friends to celebrate and give thanks. But do many of us real, uh, really feel gratitude for the way things are going in our lives? How can we give thanks for the hardship we face? But here's the thing. Times of adversity like these are precisely when we need gratitude the most. And they are exactly what gratitude is for. America is no stranger to adversity. The fourth Thursday of November was first declared a holiday of Thanksgiving by President George Washington in 1789, a time of great tumultuous uh, time in American history. We were recovering from the Revolutionary War, building a new republic, and combating everything from civil unrest to economic hardships. And when the President Abraham Lincoln made Thanksgiving a permanent U.S. holiday in 1863, it was right in the middle of the Civil War, America's bloodiest the most devastating armed conflict. Our founding fathers and great leaders understood that gratitude mattered in the face of adversity. Giving thanks for what we have, celebrating the people and the things God has given us is essential to human flourishing. We handle hardship best as individuals, families, and as a society when we do not lose our sense of appreciation and gratitude. There are a lot of reasons for that. One of them is that gratitude is an emotion that elevates us. And giving thanks enables us, as G.K. Chesterton put it, quote, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Giving thanks is a powerful act. It reinvigorates us uh, in what matters most, and it helps set us free from the burdens of stress, fear, doubt, and worry. But gratitude is also an important part of living the life on earth. Since the time of its founding, America has been a great nation of religious believers, and Christians above all should see in gratitude a way of honoring God and following in the footsteps of their Savior. Scripture abounds with examples and admonishments to gratitude. Um, Paul commands us to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, he tells us to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and to be thankful. 
And the psalm, of course, are often some of the most heartfelt and beautiful expressions of gratitude you can find anywhere in human history. Intentionally giving thanks is more than just a way to handle adversity. It is our way of growing through it, becoming humbler, better, and stronger in service to the values that shape and define us. Gratitude is also beneficial at the emotional, psychological, and physical level. Research amplifies, suggests that gratitude improves our physical, mental, and emotional health. Intentional gratitude has been proven to reduce aggression. There's no point in trying to minimize the adversity of this last year. Things may even get worse before they finally start to get better. But by keeping our hearts set on things we can still give thanks for and finding ways to practice gratitude in spite of our hardships, we can keep that adversity from, uh, that adversity from controlling and commanding us. America has always been a beacon of hope and freedom to the world. Our gratitude won't fix the problems we're facing today, but it can make sure we face them well as citizens of the greatest country on earth. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the week. We hope you have a safe and great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we will see you on Monday. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. And as always, we honor everybody that we honor every night on this show. Happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you, the audience. We'll see you next Monday live from Studio 6B.